help me walk another mile, just one more mile. I'm tired of walking all alone, and Lord, help me smile another smile, just one more smile. You know I just can't make it on my own. Oh. 
I went to church one day to hear them sing and play. The preacher, he firmly plowed that gospel plow. Oh, he said you must repent. So down that old aisle I went. And now it's different. Fetters, they held me fast. My time was on. 
I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. For I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom
name of Jesus. If you know people that are in strongholds this morning, he's able to break every stronghold. There is no depression in the name of Jesus. Anxiety does not stand up under the name of Jesus. But I will tell you that he is able to break every bondage this morning. As we sing about the power, believe, reach out to him for whatever you need is this
thank you for the offering today. I want you to, if you will, to remember, remember Ken Buttram and Becky and Matthew. I know Steve Ratcliffe's not here. I want you to remember him too. Uh, we got a lot of needs, and God's on the throne. I was uh, listening to all the songs, songs of praise and songs that have been coming from heart to heart. And uh, I know what God has spoken about. I know what God is talking. Uh, I was thinking back on the one song because it talks about the change. There's been a change in you. Some, If you are a Christian, and I can remember when I got saved, I didn't look no different on the outside. I was still the same kid. But when inside, something changed. And when something changes inside, you're not the person you used to be. And I want to kind of use that because Jesus is coming soon. And I want you to hear it because he is coming soon. We've heard it in Sunday school this morning. Connie talked about it. And the uh, scriptures that God gave me is a little different, but I want you to Listen to what I'm saying. I want you to turn to the 98th chapter of Psalm, if you will. And I want to read something that I read. And I have read through different Bibles trying to see if there was something else written. But I can't find who wrote this 98th Psalm. My Bible doesn't tell me. Uh, a lot of times they'll give it to David or Asaph or someone in the uh, scriptures on the Psalms. But I can tell you one thing that happened in the 98th Psalm. Somebody was talking to the Lord. Somebody was praising the Lord. Somebody was excited and the presence of God was with them when they wrote this psalm. And I want you to hear it because it's only nine verses, but I want you to hear it because it stuck out to me this week. I couldn't get away from it. And I want you to hear it. It says... Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, 98.1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. How many knows when you got saved, you begin to sing a new song? You, you could sing songs you like, but sometimes God just begins to speak to you, and he begins to talk to you. And I begin to look at this, and I begin to get excited about the hope that God has put inside of every one of us. But it says here, I sing to the Lord a new song, for he had done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Now, when I read that, I thought to myself, you know what? Who is his holy arm but his own son? Who is the righteous, uh, the right hand? That's him. But when I look at that, I'm realizing this is back in the Old Testament. When I look at this psalm, I almost can read it and here from the end to the beginning, it's like it's going back and forth. He's talking about what's already happening, what's going to happen, how the finished work is done. This person that wrote the psalm was in the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God began to feed him the words that he, you're hearing here. Because, see, I look at it like he's already writing about the holy arm of God. The holy, and I think you, you could take Moses or Joshua and say God used him as his right arm or he used him as his, his holy arm to lead the people. But I believe he's talking spiritually. And a lot of times, and just like it is in this psalm, sometimes it'll talk about things that'll point way down the road. 
that, that this psalm, even though he may be talking about a time at that time, he's also talking about a time that's future. Sometimes scriptures will have double meanings in them. They'll have two meanings. It might be talking about then, and it might be talking about the end. But I want you to hear it. It says, verse 2, The Lord hath made known his salvation, his righteousness as he only openly showed in the sight of the heathen. How many knows he showed his salvation to the whole world? That was be, This psalm was written before that ever happened, before Jesus came. But I want you to hear it because it's talking about he has done this in the sight of the heathen. Verse 3 of 98 Psalm, it says, He has remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And that's just about come to fulfillment. The whole world has saw and heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they have heard and saw it in the lives of people. From every nation, Connie read it this morning, every people, every nation, every language, the gospel's going forth and has gone forth. Then it says in verse 4, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise. How many knows it's a little loud today? Praise God. It's okay. The Bible says it's okay to make a joyful noise and make a loud noise. I don't think God's nervous if we get loud. I know it might aggravate your neighbor. And I got an ear that echoes all the time. But for some reason, when they're praising God, it don't seem to bother me. I just hear music. It's just flowing and it's going. But it goes on to say, uh, make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp and with the harp and the voice of a song. Sometimes I read psalms. Sometimes I can read what David's writing. And I can realize when I'm reading the psalm that it's a precious word that God gave it to David. Don't you know that sometimes when you're reading that, don't you just get caught up? And what in the world was going through David's mind when he was saying, the Lord is my shepherd? What was going on in his mind when he, when he talked about, search me, O Lord, and see if there's any wicked way in me? You know what? Every one of us can relate to these songs. And that's why he's talking about you sing praises, rejoice, and sing psalms. It says with trumpets and of a coronet. And if I, I looked, at a, looked that up in my old dictionary, and a coronet looks a lot like a trumpet. I mean, it's looked like a smaller one to me, but it's what they look like. It says with trumpets and the sound of a coronet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the king. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods Clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together. How many knows them? There's some strange scriptures. You know what? I read that and I thought, wow. Do you know that the world, this nation, this land that we live in was cursed when man sinned? God brought, came to Adam and told him that the ground will be cursed. Why? Because Adam came out of the ground. And there was no uh, 
There was nothing. What happened with Adam's sin is, dis, is distorted even the ground. God cursed the ground. Out of the ground, you're going to, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to grow your own food. And he cursed the ground. And it would bring up briars and it would bring up thorns and it would bring up stuff. And we went out west a few years ago and uh, we used to go, we'd go in through Colorado. Had plans to go to this campsite in Colorado. Got out there and all the trees were gone. Now, you know what? If you go to Colorado and you ain't got no trees up in the mountains, you know, it don't look right. But we got out there and they had introduced some special beetle bug to, to clean out some of the evergreen trees to make the other trees have a, a place to grow. And they just about destroyed it because the beetle bugs went crazy. They went and done things that they didn't expect them to do. They multiplied and was eaten up, and the whole hillsides, the whole mountains would be brown from what man does. How many knows God made an earth, and when he made he said everything he made was good. And until the curse of man and the curse that came upon the ground, everything worked exactly like God was, and we were set on top of it. To a certain degree, we were his best creation. I'm sorry, you know what? We don't act that way. We don't look that way sometimes. Our nations don't look that way. But at the time that God created, he created a perfect place and he put us there and it was for us. But when man sinned and the curse started, the curse is going on. Now, I'm saying this for a reason. I want you to hear it. The last verse, before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth with righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. That means when Jesus comes and sets up his reign and rule, he'll not only judge right, but he'll do it with equity. He'll do it with fairness. He'll do it with the right way. It won't be uh, one-sided. It won't be leaning one way. If you're guilty, you're guilty. If you're innocent, you're innocent. But he will reign and rule, and there won't be no decision about it. Because he'll be right. Jesus didn't sin at all when he came here. You think he don't know how to rule? He knows exactly. They don't need the computer. They don't need anything else to rule. He'll rule and reign. And we'll rule and reign with him. And that day is coming. Now let me tell you something. When the angels came in the, in the uh, field outside of Bethlehem to these little shepherds out there watching over the sheep at night. This was the first coming of Jesus. And the first coming of, of him was, was put there and in that little town and the angels showed up to these shepherds and the bright light shined and, they and the angels began to sing. And you know, uh, I think it was Schuyler just sang that song about the angels. Every voice of the angels will sing. Let me tell you something. There was just the angels singing on that hillside that night Jesus came as a baby. But when he comes back, listen to me, when he comes back, there's going to be some singing going on. There's going to be some praising. And when I read this 7th and 8th verse, it says the sea will roar, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, let the floods clap their hands. You ever see a flood clap its hands? Did you ever hear the smack when the wind's blowing it and the waters are going everywhere? You know what they're doing? They're almost having a joyful time. 
And guess what I read? I read that there. I read it in other places where it says the trees will clap their hands. You know why? Because they're getting ready to be restored. How many knows what it feels like to be restored? How many knows what it meant the night you got saved? You went home, you was happy. You didn't know why you're so happy other than you knew you were forgiven. You were a new person inside. <clears throat> God had made a change in you. God had forgiven you. God had restored you. I felt like a little child going home that night. I felt like I was starting all over. I wasn't afraid. Didn't have to be afraid of nothing no more. I knew I had given my heart to the Lord. How many knows that change has got to be in you? And you're ready for him to come. Like they some. We'll be ready when he comes. But I'm going to tell you something. When he comes, there's some changes going to happen. You may look out here and the world says, somebody quoted this earlier, said it was, it was just like they said, uh, he'll never come. More or less, uh, you, you know, they kept saying he's coming. They've been saying it ever since I was a kid. But where is his coming? That's what the scripture says. They'll be asking those questions. But I'm going to tell you something. When he comes, there's going to be a change happening. There's going to be a change. The lion will lay down by the lamb. There's going to be some changes going on. There's going to be some, you know what, those old briar trees and those old uh, thorny trees, they're going to they're gonna quit growing and the myrtle trees, they say it's going to take over. Now the myrtle trees are going to come out. What's he talking about? He's talking about a blessed land. He ain't talking about a cursed land. He, you know what? I don't know that God made those beetle bugs they put out there. If he did, he didn't make them to go kill trees. Am I stupid? That's the way I look at it. I look at it like it's under a curse. And everything that's happening in our world, you see it. They call it global warming if they want to. You can believe that if you want to. But the real truth is this land's under a curse. If they don't live for God, it's under a curse. And it's going to be under that curse until the, it comes back where he comes back for his people. And what are we looking for, me and you? I'm looking for a new body. It ain't that I got to just have a nice little body. It ain't that I'll be happy and I can go run around in the field and fall down and play ball and stuff. That ain't what I'm looking for a new body. I'm looking for something to complete what's going on inside of me. We have to have a fulfilled day, a fulfillment of our salvation. We got to have a new body to live eternally. I don't know how else it's going to happen. All I know is there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more troubles because it's going to be taken care of, all of it. Isn't that wonderful? Don't you understand? We ought to be praising him when God puts these things on our heart and on our mind. That's why your Sunday school, I couldn't get away from the Sunday school lesson, Connie, because it was blooming all inside of me. Lord is coming back soon, and soon and very soon the restoring is coming. Not just for you and I, but when we are the people that God put here in, his, his spirit is back in us, and we're walking with him, and we're uh, complete with a new body. Then a whole, whole land and everything's going to be restored. <coughs> Sorry, you have to forgive me. I got a, I got a cough. Okay, I'm going to go on to Romans eight. All the way in the New Testament, I want to go to Romans eight. 
me turn there real quick because I want to read the first verse 18. Listen to what Paul said. Romans 8, verse 18. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Do you have any idea what the glory is coming? Do you have any idea that the enemy has brought so much sorrow and pain? Do you know how much sorrow and pain it is to lose a loved one? Do you know how much you grieve for years and sometimes never get over it? Some people just hold on and hold on and they can't understand. But the real truth is there's a great day of glory coming. A great day of glory. And the glory we are supposed to keep on having our faith in him and believing it. And that's what he's saying, but he's saying this compared with the glory which shall be revealed. <clears throat> Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature, and this I believe meaning creation, it waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. When the, when the manifestation, when the sight comes and the children of God are, are resurrected or are raptured out of here and we get new bodies. This is saying when this is revealed, when God sets up his throne, guess what's going to happen? He's going to begin to restore and this is saying that creation itself is waiting for it. You know creation don't want to be destroyed. It don't want to. I don't think our land wants to be flooded out. I don't think our lands want to burn the burn everything out. God made it for good. God made it for us. He's not looking to destroy it, but the land's under a curse, and the curse is going to be lifted. But listen to what this is talking. For the earnest expectation of the creature, the creation, waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly. The land didn't do anything. land didn't commit no sin. It was Adam that committed the sin that brought on the curse to the land. But the land was subject to it because Adam had sinned. He had ate of what God told him not to eat. He disobeyed God. So the curse came. And it says, not willingly, but by reason of him, talking about God, who has subjected the same in hope. So now we live, listen, we live for the day and the hope of our tomorrow. Listen, we walk by faith. Don't you understand the Bible teaches us walk by faith, walk by believing. But I'm going to tell you something. You have to keep hope inside of you. Don't you dare get hopeless in this and while you're trying to walk by faith because I can tell you they go together. You walk by faith and you keep your hope in that tomorrow that he's promised. I keep my hopes in the promises of, of, of what Jesus has already paid for. Because the creature itself shall be delivered, the creation shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, 
to witness the redemption of our body. We're waiting on it. I don't know about you, but the longer I wait in this life, the worse my body gets. But I'm waiting for a new body. And like I said, it ain't, it ain't that I got to have perfect hair. It ain't that I got to have perfect this, perfect that. But I can tell you right now, I'm looking for a body that's going to sustain me forever with him. <clears throat> it is the restoring of what Jesus has already paid for. But he's coming soon. We are looking for the end of the fulfillment of our salvation. We're looking for that new body. I know I'm new inside, Ben. But you know, that news has been running around with this old shell for a long time. And this old shell just sometimes gets me down. Sometimes I don't feel like getting up. Sometimes I have a hard time walking in the morning. And I whine about it. My wife don't want to hear it. She's got her own problems. You know what? It's, it's pitiful that we just get a little bit older, a little bit older. And when I was young, I didn't pay attention to that stuff. I didn't care. They'd work me all day, and I'd go play all night. But you know what? I've come to that place. I can't do that no more. But I got something else going on inside, a love and a life going on that makes me feel like a little kid still. When the presence of God comes into the room, you can feel like a little child because guess what? You're going to be renewed with that what's inside with a new body. Praise God. <coughs> okay. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. There's that hope. You have to keep your hope in Christ. You have to keep your hope in the promises of his word. When he promised he's coming again, guess what? He's coming again. Whether you're ready or not, he's coming. And when he does, he will give you a new body to sustain you. <clears throat> Turn to 2 Corinthians 5. We are walking by faith and we're keeping that hope until it turns into sight. See, one of these days, it'll turn into sight. We will see our eternal. We'll see with a body. We'll see each other with a new body, a new life, which all going to be turned into sight. It won't be faith no more. It won't be that. We're hoping for it. It'll come to pass, and it will be in it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, verse 1, For we know that if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, they're talking about this old shell, this old body's getting old. You're not going to beat it. You're, you're, you're not going to be healthy enough to beat it. I don't care how healthy you are. Young people, I hate to tell you that. We're not trying to disappoint you. I'm trying to tell you, put your hope in the right place. 
Because your body's just not going to be there for you. It's there now. Praise God. You can come over to my house anytime, work, whatever you want to do. Have a good time. But it says, the house of this tabernacle were dissolved. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. And so being clothed, we shall not be found naked. <clears throat> For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, thank you, being burdened, not for the for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. I don't want to get rid of my body yet. I don't want to get rid of my shell yet. You know what? It's the only thing that gets me up and moving. I don't have that other one yet, so I'm holding on to this one. I don't want to be unclothed with my shell, not until God says it's time. And when he does, I'll be okay because I'll be in the presence of the Lord. Absent from the bodies in the presence of the Lord. So I ain't worried about it. It's just I'm holding on to it because it's the only shell I got right now. So we doctor it. We play with it. We, we do everything we can to keep it healthy as we can. We try to eat right. And the enemy comes along with sweets. and you know, I changed inside, but I said this before. I still liked ice cream and donuts and all that after I got saved. It didn't change that part of me. Still liked it. This shell, this flesh likes what it likes. I fight it off sometimes. But it's the, it's the fact is, I know this is the only shell I got till I get my new one, but it's coming. I don't know. He didn't give me no uh, design about it. He just says it's coming. You know what I'm trying to tell you? So I'm not trying to tell you all about what heaven's going to be like. But I am trying to tell you that there is a tomorrow. And there is a restoring that God's going to do. And we're going to look out at the land in this, because the Bible says, and I'm going to get to it, there's a new heaven and a new earth coming. And guess what? In it will be righteousness and holiness. What's going to be the world that we always want it to be? As Christians, we know that's the place we want to live. I don't want to live it. I don't care if you take me to any other nation. There's no nation living for God like they should, especially America. But you can put me anywhere. I can't hide from this fact that I'm under a cursed place. I'm in a cursed land. I'm in a cursed body. I'm in a place where I'm going to die. You can read it in yourself for, uh, I think it's chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. You read about Adam. I'll probably read it tonight. But the real truth is, that was the place where we lost our ability and we're going back to the dust we are and dust we will return. Every one of us. And you know what? It's so, I didn't want to leave my dad down there. I didn't want to leave my mother down there. I don't want to leave them in that grave site. But I have to keep remembering what the Word of God says. I have to remind myself, and I have to keep reading it because I'll get discouraged. I just praise God for the time I did have them. And I praise God for the life they lived. 
and I praise God for all the Christians that went before me that lived for God and was faithful and true. And that's what our young need, and that's what we need. We need each other. We need to see Christ in us because it's bringing back the hope. Okay, where do I stop? Let me look at verse 5. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. That's a down payment. He gives you a spirit. The Holy Spirit inside of you is a down payment. And you know what? That spirit, just every once in a while, you'll look over and somebody's jumping up and down or they're smiling and the tears are flowing and they're just so happy and they're excited about the song and they're excited about the presence of God in the room and you say, what's the matter with them? They got a little bit of down payments working on them. The Holy Spirit's in them and they're going to have to have a new body to be able to sustain that forever. Praise God. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. So we walk by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor, so we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. That's our desire. Our desire is that we're accepted of him. Lord, I don't know if the church likes me. I don't know if my wife even likes me sometimes. But I know you love me. And no matter how many times I'm doing a good thing or failing you, you don't ever change. You just keep loving me. And you keep encouraging me and picking me up and say, come on, go a little farther. Because why? I am heading in the direction for him. And it's not about me no more. It's not about this world. You can take all the money in the world. You can have all the things. You can build castles. You can be a Trump name. You can have all the names of all these rich people behind you. But can I tell you, you got nothing if you don't have Jesus. You need Jesus inside of you. He gives you hope for all of your tomorrow. He gives you hope for all of your family, your friends. He's the answer. Isaiah 65. I want to read two or three scriptures there. Isaiah 65, verse 17. This is a prophecy. This is Isaiah talking about it, and I can tell you part of it is like I was telling about before. Part of it is he's talking about when Israel goes into bondage and they're going to come out of that bondage. But can I tell you, Isaiah goes a little farther than that, and you can read it. You can see it. It says in, in uh, verse 17 of Isaiah 65, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former shall, be not, shall not be remembered nor come into mind. You know the former? Did you know what that's saying? When he gets the new heaven and the new earth made, we ain't going to worry about what happened in the other one. It's going away from our mind. I don't know how you see that, but that's the way I see it. I ain't going to have to worry. I can tell you I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I love my friends. 
but I'm not letting them keep me here. I'm going home to be with Jesus. And I hope and pray that, and I know that if they're right with God, I'll see them there. But if they're not, I may be, they may be erased from my memory. I may never remember them again. I don't know that. Either way, the true death is the separation from God and the separation from God's people. That's truly death. Not being put in a body, not being put in a grave for a temporary time. Jesus defeated death for us. But we have life and we have hope in him. He says in verse 18, But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice. Listen to the verse 19. I want you to hear this first, first, first part of this. I will rejoice in Jerusalem. Who's I? That's God. God's saying, I will rejoice in Jerusalem. How many knows when he comes back, he's coming back to make his abode with you and I. He's coming back that he's going to dwell in this new Jerusalem. Now, I know he lives inside of us, but I'm talking about when it all becomes manifested in our sight. Did you know God's coming to live with us? Did you know this, the station of heaven, the station of the throne, he's going to come down here and he's going to dwell with you and I? I ain't making that up. I'm telling you what scripture is, and I will read the rest of it. But he says, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. God says, I'm going to have joy in my people. You know, God's always want a relationship with me and you. We come to church. We get around God's people. We feel the presence of God. God loves the, the uh, communion. He loves, the, he loves the, uh, the fellowship that we have one with another because his presence is from one to another, just rubbing together. Praise God. But can I tell you something? He wants to dwell with us. He made us that he could come like he did in the garden and walk with Adam in the garden. He wants to walk and talk with you. Praise God. Who am I that God would walk and talk with me? What could I say to him? But he wants that fellowship. I can't call myself a saint, but he calls me a saint. I ain't nobody. I know I don't measure up. You don't measure up, but he calls us the children of God. And all the promises and all the restoring and all the works that he's let happen from the beginning of the fall to the end, guess what he's doing? He's bringing you and I back together with him. Hallelujah. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her. In Jerusalem, nor the voice of crying. Second Peter, chapter three. Anna, you wherever Anna is, she's here. Okay, well, somebody can get a song. It says, "Never." Second uh, Peter, verse chapter three, verse thirteen. It says, "Nevertheless, Peter says this: We, who's he talking about? He's talking about Christians. Listen to this." He says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, 
seeing that you look for such things. How many is looking for it? See, we're looking for it. We don't know when it's going to happen. Sometimes we're so engulfed in what this flesh and this world's doing or the pictures that they show us on television of how what a perfect place is that we forget that God's went away to prepare a perfect place for us. We forget that it's all in him. He knows he's the master builder. But it says we're to look for that. And it says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Now, I can tell you right now, if you turn on the news, you ain't going to have no peace. No. And pretty soon, you'll be hating somebody. Pretty soon, you'll be, uh, you'll be having to repent over your attitude. You know? And you want to be without spot and blameless? Keep your mind on Christ. Keep your eyes upon what he's doing. I want to do the last one, Revelation 21. Turn to Revelation 21 if you got your Bible. I'm going to read the first five verses. You've heard this all your life. A lot of these scriptures, I've used them in funerals. But I want you to hear this. Look at verse 21.1. John the Revelator, he said, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. How many knows John was chosen for a special task? Jesus even told Peter, what is it to you what I do with him? It's not your business. I got something planned for John. And John was carried up into heaven and he saw the end. Ryan, I don't know how in the world John wrote all that down. I know it's hard to understand. Sometimes you read the book of Revelation and you say, wow, what are they talking about? I can't imagine a day when that type of a judgment's coming upon this land. We don't know what suffering is until we see that God comes to take vengeance upon the, and make judgment upon sin. But it says here, John said it in 21.1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. Some, some say the sea is keeping us separated. Some say the sea is full of the depths of the abyss, the darkness. They look at it as it's an evil thing. Now God created and made the waters and he made it good. But God knew also from the beginning that man would fail. So God put the sea there, but this says he's taking the sea away. There will be no, there'll probably be bodies of water, but there won't be no sea. And it says, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Hallelujah. Listen to that. Don't you know that the place that God's going to live with us, it's being prepared and it's come down. John sees it. And he says, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. 
and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Do you believe that that's the truth? Do you believe those words are faithful? You know, they've been talking about that ever since I was born. I remember my father sitting on the porch with his mother's brothers. They were out of Kentucky. They came up to visit Grandma and Grandpa. And this was a little trailer right over here on Fritz Road that they had set up on my aunt's land for Grandma and Grandpa to live in. I stood there on that porch, Ryan, and I was a kid. But I can remember my dad sitting on the porch, and I think one of them was named Jess, but they were part of Grandma Pruitt's family. And they were arguing about whether there is a rapture or there ain't a rapture. And this was back when it, you got to understand, it, rapture wasn't taught back then. It wasn't really saw that clear in Scripture. But my dad was hammering it at him just as hard as he could. And I remember Pop being so excited about telling him that we're going to escape, escape that tribulation, escape the wrath of God. And they didn't understand it. But can I tell you, we've been hearing about this all of our lives. But it could be right around the corner. It could be any day now that the Lord is coming. And the song's already been sung. Are you ready? Are you going to be a part of those that's singing around the throne when we're caught up to be with him? We'll go to the marriage supper. We'll go to be in heaven with the Lord. And you can read through the book of Revelation and you can find where the, the church is standing there worshiping along with the angels. And they're worshiping the lamb that stepped out and took the scroll out of the Father's hand. He was worthy to open up the scroll and to bring the judgment. Praise God. I don't want nobody to face judgment. I don't want nobody to face judgment without God. God has made the way. God has provided. He spoke it. He's not only spoke it and wrote it down, but he gives it to the hearts of people to bring it forth. Not only in sermons, but he does it in teaching. He does it in song. He's constantly reminding us to be ready. Jesus is coming. The restoring is coming. You think it's always going to look like this. It ain't going to always look like this. We ain't going to have such cold weather that we have to worry about putting on all these layers. I might get rid of my toboggan, get rid of all them heavy shoes, heavy socks. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it. But I know this, there's going to be a change in this earth. The earth is waiting for it. The animals are waiting for it. You say, no, that, ain't, that can't be right. Yeah, the animals are waiting on it. 
The Bible says the lion will lay down by the lamb and the child will, will, uh, will play over the hole of a snake. What's it saying? It's saying there's no more vengeance with each other, no more fight with each other. God's going to bring it back to peace and rest. Are you ready for that? Don't you know that none of us can stay here very long? And we're facing eternity. I don't know you can believe in you can come back some way else. I don't think you can. There's some of them actors out there that believe they can come back as a animal or a bug or whatever. I don't know what they want. Some of them was a bug while he's here, but <laughs> it's sad. It's sad, but they don't believe. Why would God give so much? through the ages to people to write down if there was no truth to this Bible. It's full of history. It's full of everything that man failed and did. He didn't hide what King David did. He didn't hide the things that they did wrong. No, he did that so you and I would know that even, we're, even though we're failures, God loves you and he's putting his arms out. You come to me. I'm going to make you a part of this kingdom of heaven forever. I don't know how it's going to work, but it's coming. I can tell it's coming. Everybody stand, if you will. If you're not ready, get ready today. Don't put it off. If you're waiting for a perfect time, the devil will tell you there is no perfect time. Oh, I'd, I'd only want to come if, if they spoke on a certain thing or if they sung my favorite song by my favorite singer, I might come. Let me tell you something. You're going to make up your mind. I'm going to step out no matter how it looks, and I'm going to walk up for God. And I'm going to declare myself lost and need a Savior. And Jesus will meet you. He'll meet you when you take your first step. While they sing, you come. On the 
Can I tell you, we could be not, instead of worrying about fitting in the Longhorn over there or one of the restaurants, we could be at the marriage supper real soon. And you know what? They're singing about it. I was thinking about when she said, sit down on the river and rest. 
Makes me think of the fishing times. You'd sit down fishing. Timmy, you guys go fishing. You sit down and you just sit there and wait on them fish. And sometimes it's just peaceful that they don't bite. They just you just sit there and wait and watch. But what a rest. How many knows we need rest? Praise God. Quit worrying about what the world's doing. Quit worrying about your tomorrows. Here. Don't worry about those. Put your mind upon, I'm going home. Jerusalem's going to be sung over and over and over. The new Jerusalem's coming down. Praise God. What a day. What a day that we're going to be in. And we're going to see those that went before us. Don't you believe that? I do. I know his promise that's in his words. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. We ought to be excited about getting ready to go home. I, I'm ne- in the last while, I've listened to different ministries. I'd listen to them on the radio sometime, going somewhere. And I think to myself, every one of them believes we're in the last day. We're in the last generation. Or it's the next generation, but it's the last end time. You know, I just talked about that a week or so ago. Young people get excited about going home. Because one day soon, just like the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be gone. It's going to happen fast. God knows every heart. He's never done anything wrong. He knows and only he knows when that time's coming. But he's telling us all through his word, be ready. All the way from the end, all the way to the beginning, he's telling you, be ready. Be ready. I praise God. Whoever wrote Psalms 98, I want to meet him. I know it's not Psalm 98 up there, but it's it's where I read it, Psalm 98. Because I think it's telling us something. I think it's telling us that one day it's going to be all restored. The Savior came. He restored you and I. He's given us down payment. And the rest of it's going to come to pass. It's going to manifest. We're going to be restored. Praise God. What a day. What a time. I hope there's jumping and running up there. We got to do some jumping and running when we get there. Let them sing one more last verse and chorus. Get excited about it. We're going home soon. John saw a city that could not be hid. John saw that city. Oh, yes, he did. John caught a glimpse of the golden throne. Tell me all about it. Well, go right on. Of your 
Close, but these altars are always open. You need to pray, it's always open. 